powerful collaborations, cutting-edge science, and curious minds coming together for a glimpse of the future. Stay tuned as we look at the latest updates on some of the most promising technology projects. Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Peter Ballant from Technicon. Today, we continue our series in the Safe for Rail 2 project, where we discuss different work packages to get a better understanding of how they affect the whole. Safer Rail 2 is a European project aimed at improving the safety and efficiency of the European railway system. Today we focus on Work Package 2, which addresses the TCMS, or the brain of the train. As you can imagine, this system is interconnected with wires. Lots of wires. In Work Package 2, project partners are exploring the next logical step for the TCMS. Wireless. One of the core activities of this work package was the development of equipment suitable for the wireless train backbone. Here to tell us more is Jerome Harry. He is an associate professor with the Communication System Department at Eurocom, and he has done considerable research in the field of wireless vehicular communication. In Safe for Rail 2, he's the leader of Work Package 2. Welcome, Jerome, and thanks for coming on today. Oh, my pleasure. We will talk about your specific contributions to um, Safer Rail 2 in a moment, but a common question when people hear about projects like Safer Rail 2 is, when could we expect to see these changes and improvements in trains? And I, I see their point. I mean, technology-wise, you are uh, well-developed, but interestingly, when we talked offline, you mentioned that it's not just about the technology. There are other considerations like certification and regulation and these kinds of things. Uh, what could you tell us about this? Yeah, ex exactly. So from technology-wise, I mean, the, using the cellular technology, uh, LTV2X, to, to provide the wireless train backbone, uh, it's something that uh, exists in technology. Uh, the LTV2X is ready since 2016. So uh, it could already be included in theory already in trains but what is uh, the complexity is uh, it's in different place uh, the first is obviously the certification re regulation so for certifications the challenge is to be able to certify that the technology behaves according according to uh, what is specified in the standards um, and the regulations is basically to define the standards that's <laughs> that the devices have to follow and um, one of the uh, I would say long challenge, challenging uh, issue is specifically in the regulations in, for example, the spectrum access. Um, the LTV2X technology has been specified to use one spectrum band in 5.9 gigahertz. Unfortunately, the regulations limit it for the automotive industry and urban rail, but not traditional rail. So then the stakeholders have to discuss to find the, the correct spectrum. And that is very difficult to find because spectrum is not available everywhere. And that uh, has to be agreed on, on a European-wide level. So that's, uh, that's complex. A uh, second challenge is security. Security, we, when we talk about a train talking to another train, uh, people see that as a giant loophole for potential uh, cybersecurity attacks. So even if the technology is ready, we have to provide security mechanisms to keep it safe and to, be, to keep it cyber secured. And that is taking a lot, lot of time. 
And finally, what is also complex is to integrate that, that system within all, all other systems that it can integrate correctly and play its role a part of a larger, uh, a larger interconnected system. And that is what is really taking time. Uh, and I can give an example in the fact that within the automotive industry, the uh, LTV2X is ready since 2016, but we still do not see in commercial business currently, in commercial cars, we do not see a LTV2X technology being widely deployed, even though that the hardware exists. And even worse, if we look at the competitor, the Wi-Fi technology, something called in Europe ITSG5, it's ready since 2008. And still, we don't see that in the vehicles. So we see that technology is not really, it's complex to develop, but it's at the end, never the blocking factor. <laughs> wow. So uh, it looks like in cases like this, the regulation and the paperwork is uh, is for the real bottleneck, not necessarily the technology. Exactly. And the bottleneck is always because it's also because it's very difficult to pick, to make people understand each other. Um, uh, if you develop in parallel the technologies and the regulations, then sometimes it's people from different backgrounds. The engineers developing something, usually they, they want to develop the perfect protocol. But then uh, something that I always teach uh, in, my, in my class is to say that you, can, you cannot uh, standardize a protocol that cannot be certified. And certification is something that has to be deterministic. It means that it has to be, simply, it has to be simple enough to have a single input and to have a deterministic output. And this is something that automatically limits the innovation that you can get in a system. And then you have always this, this um, I would say, discussions and interactions between the, 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 the engineers and the certification engineers by developing an algorithm that is efficient and developing an algorithm that is certifiable. And at the end of the day, sometimes you end up having something too simplistic to have because it, it has to be certifi certifiable. And the fact that these two communities have different objectives is one of the reasons it also limits the, uh, the development. And, the, and that at the end, the paperwork cannot be done at the same time as the, as the development of the technology. So bottom line, I guess, uh, once you've developed something technologically, doesn't mean you can let it fly. There's a process that has to take place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if we were in a perfect world, I would say we should develop that in parallel. And I'm pretty sure that if there was sufficient pressure, people could do that. But uh, we, at the end, we are all researchers and we, do on, we work on the best effort basis. And uh, it's very difficult to have these two operations being developed at the same time. And therefore, yes, um, you develop a, a technology, it's ready to be deployed, and then we still have to, to operate it. And one typical example is the LTV2X technology, ready since 2016. But they couldn't be operating in Europe because it was not, it was not included into the Etsy uh, architecture. And if it's not including into the Etsy ITS architecture, then it cannot be uh, allowed in the European Union. And it I took, two, it, it took two, between two to four years to, wow. and to include the ALT technology into the set of standards that needs to be changed to enable the LTV2X technology. So let's move on to your part in um, Safer Rail 2, which is Work Package 2. Um, if, if we look at the website, it says that uh, Work Package 2 is focusing on developing wireless communications for the TCMS. Is this with LTE or 5G or both? 
Well, that's a very good question. So uh, when the, the call, I mean, the, the project answered to a specific uh, shift to rail call. And at that time, the only technology that was uh, available or foreseen was LTE-V2X technology. So that's why it was indicated as LTE-V2X. And the second reason was also because at that time, the LTE-V2X technology was the only technology with the foreseen developments of, uh, of product. So the idea was to say it's developed for vehicles, and so why not using it for trains? And that's, that was the, the, the state of mind. But once we developed, the, we started the project, then we, and at the same time, the, the, the 3GPP extended and started to move and work on 5G, uh, then we, we started to realize that, uh, we started to ask our question whether 5G could be better. And uh, during the project, we evaluated if the LTE V2X technology was capable of supporting the requirements of the wireless TCMS, and we realized that it was not. Uh, on, uh, but the good, the, good, the, the good news was that the 5G V2X proposed some key innovations that would actually fulfill the requirement of the, of the wireless TCMS. So it doesn't mean that C4L2 will give up on LTE, uh, and directly to 5G because the 5G V2X is not ready yet. The stand, the specification is is completed, but there is no product yet. Uh, but it just shows that basically we are in at the wrong time, in the sense that the project came a bit too late for the LTE V2X, and a bit too early for the 5G V2X. So within C4L2, what we decided is to to develop a prototype based on LTE V2X and show that it is doable, that we can do things. Uh, we can provide wireless TCMS based on LTV2X, but also identify the key innovations that are required for 5G V2X and provide guidelines for what needs to be done once we have the V2X, the 5G V2X ready. Yeah, excellent solution for this problem of being caught in the middle, I would say. So your work package is also charged with identifying issues with wireless TCMS. Um, were there any unexpected results in your analysis? Um, so, I mean, we, we, we saw a lot of different issues and was related to the limitations that I mentioned with the LTV2X. Um, we realized that the, basically the LTV2X was not meant to be used for the wireless TCMS for multiple reasons. One of them was that what was, what was expected from the wireless TCMS was not supported basically by the LTV2X standard. So it was, we, we need to change the standard. And that was not possible considering the fact that we were moving to 5G. Um, another aspect that we also discovered is the performance aspect. Uh, of course, uh, it, it was already known that the LTV2X had uh, some limitations in the performance for automotive communication, which is more or less the same limitation that you have in also with, with the Wi-Fi uh, competitor. But uh, it, with the wireless CMS, what we had to provide is industrial wireless quality and reliability. So at the end, what we expect is a very high level of reliability. And as I was mentioning before, deterministic communications and the LTV2X doesn't support deterministic communications. So that was first the first limitation. We couldn't provide the level, the, the, the level of the expected level of delay or reliability that was expected by the wireless CCMS. So the idea of having a wireless link that is transparent to the Ethernet train backbone was basically not possible. 
the network will automatically see that there is a weak link and that that is the wireless link. The second aspect we also discovered, we also saw was the, uh, which is which is the basic with with wireless aspect is the the range the the, uh, the how far we can tr- we can communicate. Obviously, we need to if we want to have a high reliability in communication, we ha- we need to reduce the communication range. But by doing so, we need to rely on multi-hub or mesh architecture, which is again not supported by LTE2X technology as well. So at the end, we saw that uh, even though that's from a pure hardware perspective. The LTV2X technology is capable of providing a, a, a direct one uh, device-to-device communication that we can do between consists, which is great. But there is uh, a, a significant ad- additional requirements that were not designed uh, for the LTV2X. It was targeted for no, it was targeted for an automotive industry, uh, and that was limitation for the wireless TCMS. Yeah. Now, also, your work package involves developing a prototype. Can you tell us about it? What What was it, and is it still under development, or has it been uh, tested as of yet? So the yeah. So basically, um, we developed the wireless and backbone uh, radio device prototype uh, based on the LTE2X technology, and that we developed it with the Open Interface uh, uh, software-defined radio platform. And as any prototype, it's always being, it's always on current development, so it's never finished. So we, yes, we are still developing it. So um, the platform, so Open Interface, is a software-defined radio platform where I mean, uh, all the codes are in software. We just have a radio front end with with uh, with minor hardware requirements. Um, and so as we develop everything in software, then we have also uh, access to the source. It's, as it, I was mentioning, is also open source, and uh, we can develop the protocols, and we can even—that's uh, the good side of it—we can even change the protocols, even if they are not the ones that are part of the standard. And that's basically how we manage to correct some of the missing the the the, the, the missing functionalities that we identified uh, by the uh, for the wireless ECMS um, that we could change and and enhance for uh, safer web too and maybe i can conclude with with open interface open interface uh what we developed it was just the the side the ltv2x side but open interface is a very large platform with a, a community platform with a lot of stakeholders that are interested in open source uh developments so the the platform has uh, open source code for 4g and 5g technologies and being developed it has been founded by Eurocom but has been now developed by a large amount of potential stakeholders yeah and the way you explain this it makes complete sense and um, it sounds as if we will gradually be seeing more and more uh, open source components in our infrastructure and transportation and finally it's always interesting to hear about some of the setbacks that a project may experience or maybe a little bit of derailment along the line or lessons learned. Did you experience anything like this? And, and if you did, then how did you work around these issues? The first uh, challenge was to provide a service on a system that was not designed to provide the quality required by that service. I think that's the, the, the biggest challenge. It's basically, if you want to transmit uh, uh, video streaming o- over a Aloha wireless protocol, I mean, to be a bit extreme in the comparison, 
Um, so you, you need to be, you need to find mechanisms to be able to, to, to still make it work, even though that the system itself doesn't support the level of the, the level of service. So typically, we had to uh, in, in improve. Um, the, the, we need to design new ways of accessing the channel to provide the level of requirements that, that the, the, the system uh, expects. So, so I, I think that was uh, one one typical aspect. The second is obviously also the fact that um, it would have been also nice to be able to have the hardwares already available, even though that we we develop uh, open source softwares uh, and, and prototypes. Um, it would have been also nice to be able to have a, a product that we can compare interface with to see if the system works. Uh, but so far, we only uh, make two prototypes interact between each other so that we, we still have this interoperability, interoperability test that we need to do. But this is something that we are going to do in Sephora 3. Um, but maybe another bigger thing was uh, the integration. Uh, we in Eurocom we developed the wireless train backbone, the radio device, and it has to be integrated within the Ethernet train backbone and within train consist, which are both of them something that you cannot displace, you cannot move. Uh, so the project initially was designed just that we at uh, at some integration camps we have to 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 travel together and and join and integrate our systems in a lab or close to a train. I mean, not, maybe not directly on the train, but at least with the hardware used by the train. But the COVID made that life very difficult. Yeah. And at the end, we had to uh, develop mechanisms to do interoperability tests between the systems that are within a train and our wireless systems uh, remotely. Uh, and that was not designed. That was not designed as such in the, uh, during the project. But at the end, what was in very interesting because the mechanism we developed within Sephora Two uh, will actually be used uh, beyond Sephora Two in the sense that we uh, we, de we developed a mechanisms to do uh, remote interoperability tests that we will use in Sephora Three and even with other uh, European projects that had the same issue with the. The COVID situation. Well, and that's a great example of taking a challenge and turning it into something that everyone can benefit from in the future. So exactly, I mean, that's uh, there's always. I mean, we we had to have some some good things out of this, and we basically developed new uh, new solutions, and we hope that we can keep on using them. Um, and it was actually <laughs> we discovered afterwards that it was even a solution to solve intellectual property aspect. Uh, not specifically in Sephora 2, but in other projects, uh, some partners wanted to test some, 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 some systems and they didn't want to release what it was. And uh, the, 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 mod, the, the system that we uh, developed within Sephora 2 was judged as a potential solution for uh, avoiding that uh, the partners could, I mean, for, for, for letting the partners test the system without basically having to share the system with, with other potential competitors. Wow. Hats off to you and your team for that accomplishment. Thank you. Thanks so much for giving us some insight into your work in the Safer Rail 2 project. You have presented some really helpful information today. Well, thank you for, uh, for the interest in, in, our, in our work. And I would like to conclude by the fact that um, 
this wireless tra train backbone, uh, I mean, uh, wireless TCMS and wireless train backbone, wireless consist network, it was cooperation with a lot of partners. I didn't mention it explicitly before, but uh, it was a cooperation uh, with all the different partners of Work Package 2. And uh, the success that we had is also to be shared with them. It's nice of you to point that out. Thanks again. Thank you. This podcast has been brought to you by Technicon. This project has received funding from the European Union's Horizon 2020 Research and Innovation Program under grant agreement number 826073. The information and views set out in this program are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the official opinion of the Shift to Rail joint undertaking. The joint undertaking does not guarantee the accuracy of the data included in this episode. Neither the joint undertaking nor any person acting on the joint undertaking's behalf may be held responsible for the use which may be made of the information contained herein.